We'll be streaming live soon. Well, good morning. It's great to be here with you again, live from Rick Bonfin Ministries office. Morning Bible study, walking through the book of Acts. We're in Acts 25. You can go ahead and start turning your Bibles to Acts 25. I want to welcome you wherever you are, Brazil, China, India, Ireland, Russia, Australia, the moon, whoever's listening. You know, we want to uh, thank you for tuning in. It's a joy and it's an honor and a privilege to share the Word of God with you every day here on this channel. And uh, we've been walking through the book of Acts, and, and now we're here in Acts 25. Uh, we'll get into this as uh, Paul appears before another Roman official named Festus. But first I want to give a, a, just a few announcements, announcement time, just a few minutes to re just remind you of some things to keep in mind. The first one is that Pastor Rick, as we've been walking through the book of Acts, Pastor Rick has been uh, developing a series on the spiritual gift of tongues. And it's a, it's a really, uh, it's, a, uh, it's a series that's full of content, it's full of, of word, scriptural basis on how to approach the spiritual gift of tongues from a biblical point of view and a life application point of view really valuing what it is for the life of a believer. And so if that's something that uh, you're curious about, you're hungry for it, you, you want, you know, go, go listen to, to that series on the, the spiritual gift of tongues. I, want, I don't want you to forget that. And so that leads me to the next announcement to ask you to pray for us as Pastor Rick is writing a, a series of books, small books, that will be a box set on the nine spiritual gifts that Paul uh, writes about in 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, so remember that, uh, to pray for us and be looking for that in the coming year and the publication of that. We hope that you'll get yourself a copy. And then uh, the next announcement I want to give is to not forget about Rekindle the Flame Conference. Rekindle the Flame Conference is returning again to Athens, Georgia this summer. It is July the 8th, the 9th, and the 10th of July. And we're going to be uh, having the worship services, and we're going to be having the prayer time, and we're going to be working out with the Classic Center, all the COVID stuff. So, But we're having a conference. The Classic Center here, the Conference Center in downtown Athens, Georgia, has been having events, and, you know, people are getting back into stuff. So it's... it's uh, the time is now. We, we, we're getting back into it. And then we have a trip to Brazil. So thank, thankfully, God has opened the door for us to begin our evangelistic and travel work again. So we're traveling to Brazil July the 31st to August the 10th. And um, we, God just brought in a team of 20-something people. Within a matter of days, it was all together, and the people are hungry, ready to go. And so those of you who are joining that trip, uh, welcome, and those of you who are praying for us, thank you for praying for that trip as we get back into the mission field. Enough announcements. I just want to remind you of kind of just, it's good to just remember. We have a lot, we have a lot of things that go on around here besides uh, the morning Bible studies that you listen to. And so we just want you to be aware of that. You can go to our website, 
Laterain.com, and there's all sorts of information about who we are, what we do in Brazil, feeding the hungry, ministering to the poor. Um, so learn a little bit about us and come on a mission trip. Those of you who listen to us in the mornings but maybe never done a trip with us or come to Rekindle, come do an event with us. We'd love to see you and meet you in person. So let's see what happens here when Paul appears before Festus. And, and we're really going to just get through verse 12, I think, today. Um, and uh, it's a really interesting sort of part of the, the gospel, or not gospel, of the, the work of Acts that Luke presents because everything really slows down here. If you listen to our brother, Pastor Randall, uh, present the word on Monday morning this week. Um, you know, this is a time where, where, I mean, there's just so many things just happening. You know, all the missionary journeys and, I mean, from, from Acts 1 up to, up to now, it's just been one thing after another and all of a sudden things just, you know, Paul's just sitting in Caesarea for two years. And, you know, all of a sudden nothing's going on. And it's like Luke just stops everything, just and it's really interesting, um, and, I, and, and I'm going to, because the question, I'm doing too much intro, I'm going to read the text in just a second. The, the question really that I was trying to ask was, why did Luke take so much time to detail all of this? Because he could have just said, you know, Paul, uh, after, you know, when Paul went to Jerusalem, he, you know, a, a mob riot came and so, he went to Caesarea, and after he appeared before Felix and Festus, he went to Rome. I mean, he could have just said it like that, but he, he spends a lot of verses just explaining in detail the, the, you know, the scene and the court drama of it all. Um, but I think Luke is up to something. I, I, I think our brother Luke is, I think he has something going on in his mind here. And I'm just going to kind of talk about that a little bit. This is a Bible study that just meant to encourage you today. Say, well, John, how in the world am I supposed to be encouraged that Paul is in prison unjustly talking to Festus? And we'll get there. So, verse 1. Now, when Festus had come to the province, uh, after three days he went up from Caesarea to Jerusalem, about 60 miles, two-day journey. Then the high priests and the chief men of the Jews informed him against Paul. And they petitioned him, asking a favor against him that he would summon him to Jerusalem while they lay in ambush along the road to kill him. You know, remember the 40 guys who took an oath to kill Paul? You know, God, you know those guys are still there. They hadn't forgotten. They took an oath. These guys are serious, right? But Festus answered that Paul should be kept at Caesarea and that he himself was going there shortly. Therefore, he said, Let those who have authority among you go down with me and accuse this man to see if there is any fault in him. In other words, uh, Festus says, uh, I'm not going to let you guys be in control here. But I'll give you a chance if you, if you really want one. And when he had remained among them more than ten days, he went down to Caesarea. And the next day, sitting on the judgment seat, he commanded Paul to be brought. When he had come, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood about and laid many serious complaints against Paul, which they could not prove. While he answered for himself, neither against the law of the Jews, nor against the temple, nor against Caesar have I offended in anything at all. 
Paul most likely said many more things, but Luke, for our sakes, did not repeat the entire defense. But Festus, wanting to do the Jews a favor, answered Paul and said, Are you willing to go up to Jerusalem and there be judged before me concerning these things? So Paul said, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. To the Jews I have done no wrong, as you very well know. For if I am an offender or have committed anything deserving of death, I do not object to dying, but if there is nothing in these things of which these men accuse me, no one can deliver me to them. I appeal to Caesar. And that's the pivotal moment in Paul's life right there where he knows that he needs to get to Rome and he comes to a place where he realizes that he thinks that God wants him to get to Rome as a prisoner. (laughs) Got to be a strange moment in Paul's life. Then Festus, when he had conferred with the council, answered, You have appealed to Caesar? To Caesar you shall go. Really interesting text here, you know. Uh, So, as I said, the question here is, why did Luke take so much time to uh, discuss this meeting before Festus? And him appealing to Caesar to get to Rome and all of this. You know, Festus inherited. So you, you've got this Felix guy, and, and actually he was a terrible leader. And uh, the reason that Festus replaced him was because Felix was called back to Rome to answer for some of his blundering as a leader. Festus, the, he came in in 59 AD, and he only was there about two years, and then he died. But he was considered by Josephus, the historian. Pastor Gene, if you remember Pastor Gene Thomas, you know, he talked about Josephus and how, you know, this, this guy, Josephus, was a historian in the, in the early centuries. And, and uh, so, so we learn a lot from him. And, and uh, the, the guy, Festus, was actually a very prudent leader. He was wise. He tried to do the right thing. He was tried to be uh, fair and just. and so he, he, But he inherited from Felix just a total mess, just an absolute train wreck waiting to happen. And so <laughs> three days after the guy takes office, <laughs> he suddenly realized that he's not going to be there too long if he doesn't figure out how to deal with this mess fast. Because uh, really, a Roman leader in... I think they call him a procurator. I think I said that right. Really, their main role was to keep the peace. Okay, their main role in these in these little provinces was just to keep everybody calm. No riots. You know, if 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 Rome wasn't hearing about you know riots and upheavals, then they'll leave you alone. If they start hearing about all kinds of disturbances, you're out. You're getting yanked out. You're in trouble, right? So really, that was the main goal, was just... So so Festus gets there, and, and three days after he gets there, he goes down to Jerusalem, and he gets a wake-up call. He's left with a total mess on his hands. And so Festus then is trying to figure out what he's supposed to do. You know, Festus is given a hard time by a lot of people. I was reading commentaries, and, and honestly, I, I began to... Look at it, and Festus was, he, he's considered by many to be weak, 
or sort of like, you know, sort of giving in to the Jews. Um, I actually think that Festus is showing a lot more wisdom than he's getting credit to in this passage. Because, and I'm just going to kind of talk about sort of interaction a little bit, then I'll get to the application part here. Um, you see, when, when, when the Jews come up and they begin to accuse Paul, see, Festus is in the position of this. All these Jewish leaders are the ones that he's got to keep them from having another riot. So, if he just releases Paul, because there's obviously no legal grounds for holding him, but if, but if he just releases Paul, then they're going to be irate. And so, he's in a position where he can't really, he can't really create that situation three days after he takes office. Okay? But if he, if he condemns Paul as they request, then suddenly he's seen as an unfair leader who doesn't do justice for Roman citizens. So he's really, he's really in trouble. So actually there's a lot of wisdom. I, wonder, I really wonder if Festus and Paul kind of had a, a little conversation on the side prior to this whole courtroom drama thing. It makes me think of Judge Judy, you know. <laughs> you know. You know those things are rigged. You know those things are like planned or whatever. You know, yeah, they talk about them, and, and, you know, and anyway, it makes me, that's what it makes me think of, is a courtroom drama, you know. You got, you know, Festus comes in, and, you know, all rise for Festus, you know, and then, you know, you got the, <laughs> you got the, the plaintiff, the plaintiff guys over there who are just, you know, and just throwing all these accusations, and then you got Festus going, you know, well, what do you think, Paul, you know, <laughs> and, uh, because what he does is he actually looks at Paul and says, Okay, Paul, are you willing to go to Jerusalem? By doing that, he gives Paul the opportunity to take him off the hot seat and actually gives Paul the opportunity to get out of hot water. And so, honestly, I think that Festus and Paul had a little something going on. And so Festus says, because see, when Festus gives it to Paul, then... Uh, it's actually Paul who appeals to his Roman citizenship, so Festus can't deny him that. So then he sends him to Rome, because that's what he requests in the end. And, you know, we got the Agrippa thing and all that, but eventually he gets sent to Rome. And so Festus is seen as a just leader who's uh, protecting the rights of a Roman citizen, but he also cannot be accused of the Jews of releasing somebody that they hate and want to kill him. All right, so Festus is actually a genius in this... Uh, passage and uh, Paul ends up getting to Rome well that you know that's just sort of analyzing the the interpersonal interactions and kind of the courtroom drama side of it um, and you know I think that Paul did this with Festus he could have appealed he could have tried to appeal to Caesar to get to Rome when Felix was there he was two years there with Felix but but I really think that Paul knew that Felix would have twisted that and figured out, because Felix obviously was a dishonest guy, he was looking for a bribe, and so when he saw Festus, he knew that he had discerned in Festus a, an honorable guy who was trying to figure out how to do the right thing, and so then he made his appeal to go to Rome. So, let's take a look here. Luke is narrowing the narrative here. If you look at the book of Acts, as a whole, you've got Acts 1-8, right? 
Be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. And so now we are starting to get to the ends of the earth part. Okay? Starts in Jerusalem, moves out a little bit Judea, Samaria, and then it moves out into Asia Minor and Greece. And now this idea of Paul going to Rome gets to the ends of the earth. And so Luke is beginning to narrow the scope, whereas, you know, you had all these different players and all these different people. And Paul is traveling all these people. The Spirit's poured out. Thousands are being saved. Gentiles come to the kingdom, right? The missionary journeys everywhere. Paul has all these friends and all these traveling companions. And, and now everything just narrows into to Paul getting to Rome. That, that sort of becomes the, the funnel effect of this book is, in the end, the whole thing ends with Paul getting to Rome. And that is, to Luke, very essential because... The gospel getting to Rome eventually provides an opportunity for the for the gospel to get to the entire world, you know. And so it's a really it's a really this idea of Paul appealing to his right to to be seen in Rome by Caesar's court is is essential to God using a earthly political system to advance the gospel. You know when Paul. When Paul was headed to Jerusalem um, back in Acts 20, 21, he said himself in Acts 20, 22, he said, I, and now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me. So Paul, Paul, Paul didn't know what was going to happen to him. He, he's making it up. Honestly, he, did, he didn't go there knowing he would be arrested. He, Paul did not go knowing that he was going to end up in imprisoned by Felix in Caesarea for two years. Paul did not go knowing that he was going to have to appeal to his right as a Roman citizen to be sent to Rome. He didn't know that. How many of us have answered the call of God and just didn't really know what was going to happen and then a lot of things start to happen that you never thought they would happen and then you end up in a place you never thought you would be? <laughs> Can we all raise our hands and say yes? But you know what? You've got to believe that God is in charge of your life and then the lives of your children. And so when you answer the call of God, if God is in charge of your life, just like God was in charge of Paul's life, and if God's in charge of your family and the life of your children, uh, then your God is bigger than your circumstance. And if your God is bigger than your circumstance, in your mind and in your heart, then you're going to be okay and God will use you. God will fulfill His purpose in your life. Nothing was going to stop God from fulfilling His purpose in Paul's life. The same for you. Okay, so I think, that, uh, I think that's one thing that Luke is trying to help us see here is give us a little bit of perspective that, you know, God is at work in so many ways that we can't see. And even when we don't know how things are going to play out, uh, God will fulfill His purposes, even in a big government like Rome. Okay, governments that don't honor Him. Um, you know, it really makes me sad as a, as a leader, as a pastor, when um, there is a, uh, just an abnormal amount of focus on political leaders as someone who is going to, you know, be responsible for advancing the gospel. I mean, the gospel got to Rome, 
and eventually to the ends of the earth through a through the Roman government system that could didn't care about Jesus. They didn't even know who he was. They just heard some stories about some guy who did some things and died on a cross and supposedly rose from the dead. And these, these leaders, Festus and all these guys who, you know, uh, have so much power in earth, their time was so short. Festus died two years after he took office. You know, so, uh, so I want to encourage us to... The American political scene is just emotionally charged right now. And as Christians, I want to encourage us to be politically active where we need to be with, without, being, um, without putting too much focus on it. Um, yes, we do need to be uh, fighting for the rights of the unborn. Okay? We do. I think that there's a place for Christians to get involved in American politics or Brazilian politics or wherever you are. There's a place for that. So, uh, we can fight for the rights of the unborn. We can fight for social justice, you know. Uh, but we can never expect a, a political system to do our job for us as Christians. We just can't. Rome, Rome was never going to do it. God used it. God can use American politics. God can use any political system in this world in whatever time period and has for many, many years done that over and over again. Uh, but we cannot expect political systems to do what we're supposed to do as Christians. So there's got to be a balance of being involved. Right now, we're trying to get back into Cuba. You know? And government won't allow us to do it, right? So what do we do? Give up? No. We're waiting for it to open up. God gave Pastor Rick, opened that door for Pastor Rick ten years ago or so, and he walked through that door, it's been faithful, and God said you're gonna God told Pastor Rick, you're gonna visit every district and every church in the district, and you're gonna preach the gospel and take an offering. Well, guess what? We haven't gone to every district yet. So the call's not over. We might have an interruption, but I mean we have a prayer board right here, and we're not looking at the political scene as to whether or not we're going to be committed to God's call. Pastor Rick has Bishop Pereira's name right there on the board and the Cuban pastors, and as soon as we have a chance to go, we're going because God's call is bigger than any political system. Rome was really powerful, really intimidating. Sure, a lot of military force, right? But our God is bigger. Is your God bigger than politics? Yeah, let me skip over that. Let me go down here. So I also believe that Luke is uh, really showing that Paul is, is, is under the prophetic word of Jesus. Jesus said in Luke 21, 12, uh, Before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering up delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, you will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. And so Paul is under the prophetic words of Jesus. This is happening to Paul right here. And so he's writing to this guy, Theophilus. He's writing to us to say, this, this, is, this is the cost of following Jesus. 
resistance. People who don't want to hear it. You know, there's a uh, there's a story I heard recently, uh, just down the road from us on 316, Georgia Gwinnett College. Back in 2016, there was a young man. I cannot say his last name. His, his first name is Chike. His last name is Uzegbanum. Forgive me, Chike, if you're listening. But um, in 2016, he was, uh, I think, a sophomore on campus. Georgia Quinnette College, and he was just in an open courtyard, and he started. He was sharing his faith. He was handing out pamphlets, sharing his faith. Campus authorities came to him and said, uh, "You're breaking campus rules. You can't do that." Said, "You got to reserve a free speech zone." This, <laughs> they get the article gave him context. The free speech zone. If the whole campus was the size of a football field, the free speech zone was the size of a piece of paper, and it was open. It was open, like, you know, you could reserve it, you know, it was like four hours out of the week. You know, it was some, it was extremely, that, that, but that was the space and the time that you were allowed to exercise your First Amendment right on campus. <laughs> the First Amendment can be exercised on a sheet of paper, you know, for four hours a week. <laughs> you know? So, so then he, so he said, he didn't argue, he said, okay, I'll do it. So he reserved the time, uh, for the little space, and then he was there. Well, the campus police showed up. Apparently somebody complained, and even though he had done exactly as they asked him, they came and said, you have to stop because somebody complained, you have to stop. You're not allowed to do this anymore. So he was silenced twice on campus for sharing his faith. Faith. Well, it was either this week or last week, the Supreme Court ruled 8 to 1 in his favor that the campus is not allowed to silence him, and that that was a infringement on his first uh, First Amendment rights to free speech. So praise Jesus that even in the midst of the media of today trying to make us think that everything is going crazy, there is a ray of hope that in our, in America at least we can share the gospel of Jesus Christ freely, and the courts will allow us to do it. Eight to one. So that's not a part of the line vote. Eight to one. We're, we are not going to uh, make people only say what they want to say on an, a little piece of paper four hours a week. People can share their faith. So let's use that right. I want to encourage us to use that right as Christians in America to share our faith. And don't be silent. Um, don't be complacent. You know, Paul was so so wise, and God will give you the words uh, to say. But but let's be thankful that we we have the right as citizens of America. But like Paul, we have to remember that our true citizenship is in heaven. And so Paul uses his Paul uses his Roman his rights as a Roman citizen. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay. But he wrote to the Philippians, and I had it here. He wrote to the Philippians that are to remind them that even though he was a Roman citizen that had all kinds of wonderful rights and privileges involved in, in it, it it's, in, it's in the book of Philippians. I had it here and it's gone. Remember that your true citizenship is in heaven. And so, because 
you know, political systems on earth come and go. And, uh, you know, the political scene in, in America, I mean, <clears throat> you never know what might happen. And so we have to have that confidence that our true citizenship is in heaven, that Jesus is our king, and that Jesus as our king, <clears throat> it's Philippians 3.20, by the way, uh, Jesus is our king. Jesus said himself in, in John 18.36, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. So there has to be a balanced perspective that we are willing to take advantage of whatever political system we're in to advance the gospel in whatever way that we can and whatever doors that God opens up for us. Okay? But we have to have that perspective that we belong to Jesus. We have an eternal king. We have an eternal citizenship in heaven. We have a just king who will judge everything fairly in the end. And so, there's going to be injustice all over this world. And we're going to have to live with it. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, now, here's the question that I want to ask, though. I want to bring this home in the last two minutes I got. Many of us might not face any sort of political re resistance like our brother Chike did from Georgia Quinnette College, um, and, uh, or like Paul did. Many of us might not ever face that. But are you going to face resistance in your family? Yeah. That might even be harder. <laughs> right? What about your church? You know, people who have a experience with Jesus, sometimes they don't say the right thing in church anymore. You know? Uh, people who have an experience with Jesus start seeing the world a different way. And those who have been to church their whole lives but haven't had an experience with Jesus, they just don't know how to handle it. And so you might start to experience some things said to you, on, you know, behind your back. You might start to experience, uh, you know, we, we, have a, we had an example of a sister in Christ uh, in another state who, uh, man, Lord got a hold of her and she's just on fire for Jesus. She's like all of us. She's not perfect. She doesn't get it right every time, but man, she's on fire. Well, you know, she had a vision of Jesus. She wanted to share with the congregation. The pastor shut it down. And man, that hurt her. She left the church. It was an opportunity maybe for that church to have a breakthrough. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not trying to pass harsh judgment on a pastor. That's his church. He's a spiritual leader. But what I am saying is, is that resistance can come. Okay? But you can't take it in. You can't take it in and let it fester. Because the people who are resisting you are the people that need Jesus the most. So pray for... That's why Jesus said pray for those who persecute you. Because those who persecute you are the ones who need Jesus the most. That's a hard place to come to, but when you come to that place of peace, that you don't take it into your heart, and that you realize that they're persecuting Jesus and not you, then they come to a place of freedom. So are you facing resistance anywhere? In your workplace, are you facing resistance? In your family, are you facing resistance for your faith? Are you being put on trial for your faith? We'll have 
Have faith in God that He's in charge of your life and in the lives of your children. And He's working your life. And just like Paul, who had no idea what was going to happen to him when he went to Jerusalem, was probably a little surprised himself. God's purpose was going to be fulfilled in his life no matter what. Nothing was going to stop that. And nothing will stop God's purpose from being fulfilled in your life as well. Be encouraged today that God is with you just as Jesus was with Paul, helping him know how to deal with all those guys who were coming at him. God is with you today. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow morning uh, to continue Acts, but stay tuned because we have some great teaching coming up uh, again right here at 930. From the evil in this land The wounded and the broken hearted Lift their voice in prayer As they feel the touch Of His amazing grace Oh God's mercy So amazing God's mercy so amazes me to every generation he gives the joy of his salvation oh God's mercy so amazes me